The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Tally and Damien. Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Tally006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this week? I'm doing well this week, my friend. How are you? I'm doing just a dandy. <laughs> I, I I was listening to one of our episodes and I'm like, I never ask you how you are. Yeah, what's up with that? So, uh, <laughs> so I thought I'd do it today. Uh, this week is anniversary week coming up. Are you are you pumped for it? Yeah, we are looking forward to the second year anniversary of AEW Dynamite. Of course, it started October second, twenty nineteen. Yeah, we actually missed. Our first episode of Dynamite pretty much ever, maybe maybe the odd one throughout the two years, but you and I both took the Wednesday night off of watching wrestling and uh, went to a Jets game here in Winnipeg. Uh, what were your thoughts on the preseason matchup against the Oilers Wednesday night? I, I thought the Jets looked really good, and it was uh, it was nice to be out in you know, doing something. I thought the crowd was just not into it. Like you would swear we were in a library, but yeah, it's preseason hockey. So I guess, you know, people aren't that into it, but no, I thought it was a really good time. What'd you think of it? Yeah, no, I enjoyed it coming into the city for once. It's been a couple of years since I've been to the city. So that was awesome. And then getting to go out and watch the, the boys in blue skate out and, lay the absolute beats to the Oilers was good to see. Uh, some great young talent in the Jets organization that uh, we got to see. You know, Cole Perfetti, uh, Mikey Yesimont. You know, things are looking good for the future for the Jets. So uh, looking forward to the NHL season also starting next week, I believe. So that'll be awesome. We have a huge show for you guys today as we have some breaking kayfabe items, scoop of vanilla Making uh making a return the commentary desk we have about six matches that we want to talk about and then of course a few points in putting it over but let's get right into it let's not waste any more time let's get into breaking K Fabe. It's time to take a look at the headlines and rumors from outside the ring. It's breaking K Fabe. This week in Breaking Kayfabe, our worst nightmare has come true. We we buried this guy when he showed up in the Casino Battle Royal. Uh, it sounded like we reported it here on, on the show that this guy retired from professional wrestling. He was taking time to, you know, be a family man for once. But this past week on Wednesday, we find out that Leo Rush is hashtag all elite. What the hell happened? I don't know. With the, with this promo that we heard this week, and he, he apparently he's some sort of businessman and whatever. I don't know why you need to come back to wrestling. I honestly don't know why we hate on this guy so much. But um, I don't know. I guess Marco Stunt needs somebody to, to feud with. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't get it. I 
this this guy talks the talk. He acts like he's the God's gift to professional wrestling, but every match I've ever seen him in, every kind of situation I've ever seen in it, seen him in, he's not good. Like I just I don't get it. I don't get where he's going for. You know, his his ring presence is not up to snuff, I feel. But I mean, he's coming back to AEW. He's hashtag all elite. He's got a new gimmick. I guess we'll give him one more chance. We'll see if he can change our minds. But I don't know. I, I don't have high hopes for Leo Rush, especially if he gets hurt again right away. Yeah, I mean, he should be a valet. He, he's good. He's fairly good on the mic. So just give him that. I think he just thinks of himself more. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. We'll right. see. We'll see what he can do. Uh, the big news I feel coming out of this week was Bobby Fish challenging Sammy Guevara on Twitter for the TNT Championship. Sammy accepts, and you know, out of nowhere, Bobby Fish to make his AEW debut next Wednesday on Dynamite. This is absolutely shocking news. It was so shocking that when we were going through the the plan, I was typing it out like you know possibly could debut next Wednesday. And you're like, no, dude, that's confirmed. They had a picture on Rampage and everything. I was like, what? I didn't even see it. I didn't even notice. <laughs> Am I just with Adam Cole in AEW now? And it just it just looked right. It just looked perfect. It, it just made sense. Is that why I totally shrugged it off? Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited for Bobby Fish to make his AEW debut. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's going to be good. I think uh, Sammy Guevara is going to be a good competitor for him. Where did he get signed? Where is he wrestling out of? I don't think he is signed. I think his uh, 30 days might have just ended not too long ago, actually. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I don't know. He's definitely he's definitely not signed to AEW. Right. I don't know if he signed anywhere else. I mean, yeah, it's good that he's going to get an appearance in AEW, and I have to figure, like, Sammy Guevara is not dropping the title here, so... Do, do you think that there's a possibility of maybe Adam Cole being involved in this match just because? I I wonder. I think the smart move is not to address it. If he is hashtag all elite, then maybe it, it, it would be considered. I know Adam Cole talked about on some of the podcasts that he's been on uh, since signing with AEW that he, he said he would absolutely love for Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish to be in AEW. He loves working with those guys. He's worked with them so much. He mentions that this is the first time him and Kyle O'Reilly have ever not worked in the same company in their whole careers, just about so... So, yeah, I don't know. I, I would love to see an Undisputed Era type thing in AEW because it was so awesome, but we'll just have to wait and see. And the last big news of the week is it, which it, it's a controversial post, I feel. I'm not buying into the hype that this story is getting the traction that it is, but it came out this week that Tony Khan has pulled the reins back creatively on all four of the EVPs being Cody, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. I, I, I'm having a hard time believing that this is 100% true, 100%, you know, brand new news. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really feel like the EVPs have never really had creative control in any way. I think it's always been up to Tony. Everything had to get past Tony first. 
So the reason why this news is coming out this week to where all of a sudden they have like zero creative power, I'm not buying it. There, there, There's something missing. It was a really slow news week, so they needed to make something up. You know what I mean? Something, Something's wrong with this story. So I'm not believing it 100%. Yeah, the first thing it made me think of is, you know, what happened on Roads to the Top? Because that is going to be filming some backstage stuff. Maybe something was said. Maybe it's been taken out of context and people are looking more into this than it probably really is. I don't really believe it either, but... Um, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see where it goes from here. You know, and honestly, it's it's all it's it's the wrestling, it's wrestle inks, it's wrestle talk, it's fightful select. It's not Dave Meltzer. They're not they're not the big wigs when it comes to wrestling journalism. It's all the Instagram accounts that are are really latching onto us. So that's why I just have a hard time hundred percent believing in this story. So but that is the story that's out there. EVPs no longer creatively in control. Fake news. Hey guys, what can I get for you? How about a chocolate cone? Can I get a butterscotch? Sorry fellas, all we got is vanilla. Well that sucks. Alright, it's Scoop of Vanilla. This week we took a look back at the Extreme Rules main event between the Demon Finn Balor going up against Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. I mean, it's a Roman Reigns match. You've seen one. You've seen them all. This match is really no different. But what it comes down to is the last about two and a half, three minutes of this match was really, and I mean, not to, not to sound like Corvette here, but hokey. Like, like wicked hokey. Like, I don't know. It, it doesn't get much more vanilla than this, let's say. So just to give you some background, if you guys didn't watch Extreme Rules, this is the first time Demon has been on WWE in a really long time. You know, Finn Balor had kind of put the Demon in the closet for a long time. He went back to NXT. He was NXT champion, all that stuff. The Demon's back. And they really made a point in this match putting forward that the that the Demon has never lost in WWE. Which, again, I don't think is true. I think he's lost matches in NXT. So I get if they don't count that. It is what it is. So we're getting near the end of the match. There was a huge out of the ring spot where um, the Usos come out. They hit, you know, they 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 attack Finn Balor. Finn Balor staggering staggering around. Roman Reigns spears him through, you know, the barricade into the timekeeper's spot. All of a sudden, the lights go out, and we hear the heart beating from Finn Balor's music, and he's flailing, literally flailing with the beats of the of this of the music and then you know the breathe in comes in and he stands up really cool visual if it wasn't for all the you know fish out of water you know pantomiming and stuff so that was really cool the match continues with the lights off and the red glow you know very bray wide-ish and it gets back in the ring finn balor climbs the rope he's gonna hit the coup de gras or the coup de grass I, I can't. That's how I knew you ask. <laughs> I, I I can't. It, it just bothers me, but it is what it is. <laughs> and then, so as he's trying to balance up on the top rope, which he's very visibly struggling, the rope, the top rope gives out. He crashes down. It leads into a Superman punch. Roman Reigns retains. 
like I said, it, it's very, very hokey. Let's just talk about what we what we saw at this point. What what were your thoughts on this? Well, the the fact that a wrestler comes to life by hearing his entrance music, it was a bit unorthodox, weird, but also cool in a way. Um, I'm kind of on the fence on that one. And then this this rope spot, like I I was fearful for Finn Balor's you know health on this one because it it whoever thought this up did not think of the safety of Finn Balor. I I don't I feel. Yeah, his legs kind of crash into the second rope, and he was obviously like Charlie Horse at the very least. But it it looked like a bad landing. He kind of face planted. Yeah, it was a rough landing. Like I said, I I get the the breathing in and the coming back to life. It was the flailing on the ground that I didn't like. And okay, so we're trying something new with the top rope spot. He crashes down. It causes him to lose. What really makes it hokey for me is that Roman Reigns looks up to the sky as if to thank God himself for allowing him the to get the upper edge on the demon. And now this is a, a whole heaven and hell storyline. And I mean, I know from SmackDown this week, they didn't follow through with any of it. It was right back to Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. So what was the point? I don't know. I, I feel like there was a better way to do this spot. Uh, I gotta. I, I know it's not putting it over right now, but I got to bury this whole match. Like it was garbage. Yeah. I like, I don't know what's up with WWE creative. I don't know if they got some new people in and they're all kind of like horror fans. I mean, I'll, I'll give them props for trying to do something different with Roman Reigns because for it's sure. just, it's the, if there was like a, a vanilla flavor of vanilla, that's what it would be. But yeah, I just, it didn't work. Just didn't work. All right, let's get uh, right into the commentary desk. Now sending it over to the commentary desk. This was a special week for AEW as they made their way to Rochester, New York, finally. This was uh, an episode of Dynamite that was supposed to take place March 18th, 2020. Uh, It was going to be the debut for uh, Matt Hardy as well as Brody Lee, who... I mean, if if you guys know Brody Lee's hometown is Rochester, New York. Uh, he was supposed to debut there. So with him passing last year and whatnot, and them finally getting there, they did do like a Brody Lee kind of memorial type episode. The whole week was kind of dedicated to his memory, uh, which was really, really cool. And there was the announcement that the John Huber Legacy Foundation uh, was now a thing. It's going to be a charitable organization of some sort. I don't think they really specified what the charity was kind of going to be focusing on. If it was just a widespread charity to go to many different kind of avenues, or if they had something specific in mind, I'm not really sure that. But I think it's a cool, it's a cool gesture, and and very similarly to what we saw, we talked about a couple weeks ago with the Owen Hart Foundation. That's been going ever since he passed away in '98. So you know, I, I thought this was a really cool thing for AEW to be a part of, as well as the Huber family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't catch what it was for either, but I can only imagine that it likely had something to do with kids just knowing um, how much of a family man he was and 
and how, uh, you know, wrestlers, uh, when they talk about him, always mention how he was always talking about his kids. And whenever there was kids around, he was, he was always kind of a part of that. So yeah, if, if Amanda is a, a part of, you know, running this foundation in, in any sort of capacity or being sort of the, the voice for it, I think that's uh, fantastic for her and her family. Let's get into the first matchup of the week that we're going to talk about here. Jungle Boy versus Adam Cole. It debuted for, for Dynamite. It, it opened up the show for Dynamite this this week. And I mean, what a match to start off to start off the week of wrestling in AEW. Very similar um, feel, like like a very similar feeling to Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. These are two of the top young young guys in the business right now. Very similarly sized, very similar skill set and move sets. So uh, this was a, a banger right off the bat. Yeah, for two guys that have probably never tied up together before this, uh, you'd never know that because they had chemistry. I listened to uh, the Adam Cole podcast um, oral sessions and one of the wrestlers he wanted to face was Jungle Boy. So he's, you know, only three weeks in here and or a couple weeks in and, and already getting his chance at Jungle Boy. And yeah, they nailed it. Yeah, it was very fast paced for the beginning, you know, kind of getting everybody amped up. And then they really went into like story mode here. There was a lot of you know, there, there's a lot of tension between these two. You can feel it, even though it's only been a couple weeks of this feud between the Elite and Ju- Jurassic Express. So that coming out in this match was really, really well done. Adam Cole getting the win here. Out comes the Elite to, to, to celebrate. I had a feeling that maybe Adam Cole could lose this match. But because he won clean and then Elite kind of comes out afterwards, kind of caught me off guard. And I thought, okay, well, that's a little different way to do it, which, I mean, is good. So I enjoyed that too. Yeah, I think this match could have went sort of either way. Just because they're both so huge, it would make sense if either one of them won. We get kind of the beat down and then Jungle Boy gets gets saved and and then we get that whole thing again, which, which, which all makes sense. So, yeah, I didn't mind... Uh, the after the match shenanigans. Let's look ahead to Rampage. Jade Cargill versus Nyla Rose versus Thunder Rosa in a triple threat match. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I feel like this is the first women's triple threat match in AEW history. It might even be the first triple threat match in AEW history. I, I'm re- I'm having a really hard time placing any other ones. So this is a really big match, and uh, I wanted to look at it a little bit closer. I thought these three worked really well together. I was really concerned for Nyla Rose. She's been kind of been buried. And we've talked about it many times in this on this show before about how she's not really protecting her character herself kind of thing. And the booking's really not been doing so much for her. I thought they gave her a really good portion of this match that made her look really good. And then it was just kind of the end there with Thunder Rosa getting that table spot. Huge table spot. Looked amazing. Takes her out of the match. That makes sense to me. But I feel like maybe because I wasn't sure Jade Cargo would be the way to go. I thought with it being a triple threat match, this was a good opportunity for her not to be included in the finish and, and maybe not win. Which you know led me to want Nyla Rose to win this match. But that didn't happen. Jade Cargo gets the win. They're really pushing Jade Cargo. 
Yeah, I I totally agree with everything you're saying there. Um, th this was going to be an interesting match, and I and I thought this is either going to be a really really terrible match or you know just an okay match. I don't think this was going to be a, a show stealer, and the reason why is Nyla is so unpredictable. She can be the best wrestler in the ring and be the the one that makes it the worst and jade's still new like i feel like she just doesn't doesn't have it all yet doesn't feel that comfortable in the ring so i was uh i was really thinking this was going to be a thunder rosa win and, and kind of elevate her to greater things although she's kind of had her chance at dmd so maybe this is maybe this is jade going after uh dmd soon but i thought the ladies did did very well and yeah for me nyla rose taking that table just elevated her stock with me keep doing those kinds of things and then you know i can see that belt on you again uh let's talk about this chair spot that happened near you know right basically right after the table spot jade brings the chair in and starts laying the beats down to Thunder Rosa. That first, those first two or three shots looked pretty stiff ski and not quite getting the chair flat across the back. I could just feel Thunder Rosa's anger building and building. And, and, and it seemed like she was like trying, she wasn't giving up her back anymore because Jade wasn't, wasn't hitting it properly. You know, she was getting mad and then she took the one on the side of the arm and because Jade doesn't know that she's hitting it wrong. She's just going through with the spot. Like, I'm supposed to hit you like eight times. I've only done it three times yet. No, why are you chickening out? So I don't know if there's a miscommunication there, but that was kind of a brutal spot with the chair. Yeah, I, I it started with that very first one, right? That one really looked like it hurt her. And then it almost got worse that she was not giving her back because then they really weren't hitting clean. I mean, to, to the, you know, casual fan, it probably looked great. <laughs> yeah. But to, to us, it was, it didn't look good at all. I, someone should have called this out and it should have just, she should have just threw the chair and started punching her or something like that. I, I'm sure uh, she got a, a mouthful of Spanish in the back and <laughs> this will be something that that Jade learns from. Yeah, 100%. You you got to make mistakes, right? Everybody makes mistakes. Let's move ahead to what was potentially match of the week. I I almost had to flip a coin this week choosing the match of the week, but this one was great. Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson to open up Rampage this week. You know, you don't really think of Nick Jackson as, I mean, you don't at all think of him as a singles wrestler. But for him to go in against Brian Danielson, different body shape, but still similar size, you know, they were just made to work together. And it, it it's not often that Brian Danielson is, we'll call him the body guy out of these two. Like, Brian Danielson looked like like a wrestler compared to, you know, the, the skinnier Nick Jackson. So Brian Danielson got to play kind of the beast in, in this match, which he did. Uh, I love the no selling of the, you know, Nick was kind of doing the, uh, the yes kicks if for lack of a better term. Uh, and Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson just absolutely no sold them and, and even encouraged him to give them more and more. I thought that was a really cool spot in the match. 
Yeah, when this match was announced, I was I was pretty giddy about this one. I I thought that out of any of the you know, Brian Danielson doing a match with any of the elite guys that Nick Jackson would be kind of one of the better ones. And um I mean, we and we got that. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic match. And for me, the only thing that I think I would probably do differently is just less kicking. Like I just felt like it was a match with a lot of kicking. I think they could have did a little bit more, but this is what they do. They do a lot of kicks. So it makes sense. I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more of some other stuff, but yeah, I, I would like to see these two go at it again. Yeah, for sure. I just want to mention that these opening matches for Rampage getting 20 plus minutes on a one hour show, I thought, I think is really cool. It's, it seems like Tony Khan has a formula set for Rampage where, okay, we have an hour show. We're only going to have three matches. You know, that, that middle match will be a shorter one. We'll do a longer opening match and then you know the main event will be kind of you know story time and it'll be kind of more directly to the point i love that they're giving these opening matches you know 20 plus minutes it allowed them to get to get a lot of stuff in unfortunately like you said it they kind of filled it up with kicks but you know that is kind of their thing so it, it it makes sense let's get into some some honorable mentions Dynamite saw Penelope Ford and the Bunny tag teaming against Anna Jay and Ty Conte. I mean, I was really excited about this match because the feud's been really good. Uh, the singles matches between, you know, the these four have been really good. For, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because we were watching it right after the we got home from the Jets game and I got dominoes in front of me. And, you know, we were just kind of riding high after the game and, and I just wasn't into this match. And I I wanted to watch it again this week. I just didn't get quite around to it. So I kind of got to go off my initial feeling. There was just something off with this. I don't know if the girls are just too emotional because we've seen earlier in the night kind of the reconciliation of the Dark Order. You know, it's it's Brody Lee night. Brody Lee very much handpicked Anna Jay to be in the Dark Order. That kind of came along with, or Ty Conte kind of came along with that. You know, so what, what were they just too emotional that it was affecting their performance in the ring? I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say that because it kind of sounds sexist, but that's kind of how I felt. Like their heads weren't in the game when it came to this match. Uh, yeah, I mean, you definitely could be right. Um, I I want to say that this match was just really the same as the singles matches we've seen. So there wasn't really anything more to them or different with them i feel like uh Tay conte has a real different style to, than ford and the bunny it, it almost seems like she's forget forgetting she's a wrestler and that you know she really starts fighting and almost feels like she, or looks like she's hurting these women and they don't like it there just wasn't the substance there for me i i think i just it needed to have something different like the brass knucks aren't enough. Like we need a chair. We need a different kind of spot. We need a high risk spot or something in there. It was just kind of just get on the ground, punches, kicks. I don't know. Nothing special to me. When you mentioned it was kind of just the singles matches over again, it made me think I'm like, 
neither of these girls really have any tandem offense. And that's really what you need to make a tag team match different is a, a tandem sequence. Right. Yeah. No, I can't remember them doing one thing like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, main event from Rampage, Jack Evans versus Orange Cassidy in a hair versus hair match. We got to talk about the promo section with Mark Henry beforehand. Funny, probably one of those, it sounded better on paper or looked better on paper than it, than it was performed. I thought Orange Cassidy was funny as hell. He's like, I don't even know what's going on. Well, if you lose, you got to shave your head. Oh, I better not lose then. Like it was just classic Orange Cassidy. Um, the dynamic between Matt Hardy and and Jack Evans, I'm not really feeling. I feel like there's no chemistry between them. TH2 definitely kind of just throwing in there so at least they're getting on TV. That's what I feel like. You know, Butcher and the Blade kind of fit in because they're the mercenaries and Private Party fit in because they're Hardy Boys 2.0, if you will. So that all kind of makes sense. TH2 is kind of the odd guys out here as they were kind of brought in as the mercenaries when Butcher and Blade weren't really around. So I don't know. I don't get it. As for this match, it was a fine match. It was a classic Jack Evans, Orange Cassidy, you know, high-flying lazy stuff it was what it was of course orange cassidy wins and i liked i liked how they did the ending if i'm gonna give this match any credit for anything it was the ending the way hardy family office was gonna come out to you know stop orange cassidy but then the best friends in the dark order were there for the save i I think that's the only thing that really saved this match yeah i don't know it was it was a good match and i mean it was classic like you say with with the way these two wrestle i thought jack evans was off he he doesn't seem to be the same jack evans that we were first introduced to a, a couple of years ago he seemed a bit slow maybe that's probably the best way to describe it it was just everything was just kind of slow almost like he didn't have the wind to just go hard for the 10 minutes that they had yeah it was a bit chaotic there at the end and i remember you kind of uh talking to production trucks saying, uh, hey, production, remember, there's still a match going on here. And then sure enough, camera changes. We get to see uh, what happens at the end. And and then it seemed to be rushed for time. I don't know what you thought about it, but it seemed to be rushed for time. And we just got a little bit of a haircut and, and then it was off the air. So I don't know. Do you figure they ran out of time or is that really what was kind of planned for the very end? I feel like they ran out of time, definitely. And yeah, I totally forgot about the production truck woes there. I might need to go on a rant here. <laughs> but uh, no, they were, because there was, you know, someone would come over HFO and then the best friends are there. And then another person from HFO would come out. But the production truck could never quite catch the people coming in. They were just kind of always missing it. And then we miss a big move in the ring you know we kind of just see the tail end of an orange punch we kind of missed it so yeah fail on the production truck there for sure this week's match of the week was the main event from dynamite the tnt championship on the line the redeemer miro versus the spanish god sammy guevara there isn't anything wrong you could really say about this match. This was really well done. We've put over Miro many times for working with these smaller guys and making them look really good. 
I, I would say because of Sammy Guevara's stature and position in the company, Miro probably didn't need to go as far as maybe he did. He probably could have beat him down a lot more than he did. Um, I felt Sammy comes out of this looking invincible almost like he really took it to Miro. So, you know, if I, if I, I guess if I had to critique, that's kind of a critique, but it was still really, really well done and really well executed. And, uh, what a match this week, what of a performance from Sammy Guevara. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we look at all of the title defenses that Miro did, uh, while he had the title here, there was no way he was dropping it. And this was the first time, at least for me, that I thought, okay, this is a time he could he could drop this belt. It would make sense. Sammy is one of the, sorry, I was going to say elite. He, uh, he's <laughs> one of the top guys in the company and um, it would make sense for him to hold this belt. And I don't think this would really hurt Miro. I think he he's got the gimmick now. He can use the gimmick to explain the loss and come back from it and all of that. So um I'm going into this match thinking, you know, Sammy's got a shot and they did it right. It was back and forth. We didn't know who it was gonna be until the until the very end. And um I think the crowd went home pretty happy about this one. Yeah, for sure. There was a moment about two and a half minutes. I, I can't pull the memory out of my mind right now, but there was like a moment, uh, a move that happened and I kind of put my hand out and, and I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to do this. They're, they're going to give it to Sammy and, and here it comes. And sure enough, he never looked back that last two minutes. He just absolutely laid the beats to Miro finished it off at the six thirty splash. It, it, it was amazing. Sammy Guevara, the new TNT championship. I love this booking for one reason, because all of the Marky Marks out there, they've been saying that, you know, with CM Punk and Malachi Black and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole, all these ex-WWE guys coming in, those AEW originals, those AEW homegrown guys are going to get lost in the shuffle. And a lot of people have been saying that. Here they put... Um, as we'll talk about a little bit later, later, one of the four pillars of AEW's future is now TNT champion. I think this is an awesome booking, and, and I'm so happy that Sammy's got this belt right now. And, uh, I mean, beating an ex-WWE guy, you know, just uh, for the cherry on top. So I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Do you feel like this is uh, maybe TK listening to the Marky Marks and... Um and and making a point that you know the wwe guys which is just even stupid for me to even say but again i'm doing this from the perspective of a marky mark you know is he listening to these people thinking hey we gotta we gotta protect the the four pillars and and get these guys in there so that they're not kind of lost in the shuffle i don't think it's so much that he's listening to the marky marks i think he's just two steps ahead of everybody I think he knew at the beginning of the summer that he was going to be acquiring all these guys. You know, it kind of started with Miro early last year. I'm going to be bringing in a lot of guys and, and basically all through the spring when someone was mass release or whatever, like he's like, yeah, hey, I want this guy. I want this guy. I'm going to have a lot of WWE guys and, and you know, the, the atmosphere is going to be 
saying a certain narrative. So I need to make sure that I take care of, of the pillars. And I, I think this was always the plan is for Sammy to come out of this summer as TNT champion. I, I think, I think he's two steps ahead of everybody. And you'd have to think too, that these, these guys that are coming in, they, they've all, you know, been champions and, and whatnot. And I'm not even sure as a wrestler, are the titles really something that you necessarily strive for? just because you are, you don't, you don't, I guess you earn them, but you don't earn them in a sense. So I don't even know that they really care about that. It's more about the having fun and, and doing it the way they want to do it. I think more than anything. Yeah. I mean, that's been the discussion for, for years and years. It's like, do championships really mean anything? And when you look at the vanilla brand, I think there are a couple of championships that really do mean something in that company. Recently, it's kind of been the NXT championship. Mind you, they've been kind of making a mess of that belt lately. And then it's the WWE championship, the black belt. Like to me, that still has meaning that if that's around your waist, you know, you are the guy that we're going for. And, you know, that belt's on Big E right now. It was on Bobby Lashley before. Like WWE's making a point to to put over these guys who have been working their asses off. Now you can argue the U.S. title I mean, the Intercontinental title used to mean something back in the 90s, but lately it's just, well, let's throw it on this guy because maybe he'll get a good rub and his merch sales will go up. That's what the IC belt does. U.S. belt's the same way. Honestly, the Universal belt's the same way too. The way that belt was introduced and the the history of champions it's had, being Goldberg a couple times, Brock for eight years, it feels like, you know what I mean? Like... Those belts don't mean anything. What AEW has done with their AEW championship and this TNT championship belt, these belts mean something. So when you're holding them, I think the wrestlers do feel like I've accomplished something. And Sammy's been teasing this for a while on his vlog. Like, I want to be a champion. So now he's got his time. Yeah, good for Sammy. And now, putting it over. All right, the first item we got on putting it over is CD, the Fallen Angel. Christopher Daniels is back in Impact. I know nothing about Christopher Daniels in Impact before. So <laughs> I'm going to say this is a good thing for Impact. You have a veteran guy. Um, I saw some footage of him in uh, in his sort of... Uh, couple weeks that he's been there and he looks like he's been working out he's jacked he's got veins popping out everywhere i think he's going to be good for the company i'm putting it over yeah cd has definitely been one of those tna guys like he's he's very well known for his time in in impact wrestling so for him to come back it was a big moment he came back to help out christian uh as he was getting attacked by uh uh, decay i think maybe I, I can't really remember who christian's really feuding with but him coming back like you said looking absolutely jacked and still sporting that messed up eye i mean we have to look it up 
the eye injury he suffered at the hands of the Young Bucks looked nasty. It looks like it might be a gimmick similar to maybe Malachi Black. But when you look at the the pictures he posted online and, and that injury, and it looks very similar, I, I think this is a legit eye injury. Like his eyeball is full of blood. Scary, but uh, putting it over 100%. CD back in Impact Wrestling. October 9th, it's announced that Impact will hold a knockouts, knockdown, all women's pay-per-view. This coming off the heels of NWA's Empower. I think this is a good idea. If we see more of these from from all the big companies, I, I think it'll really push women's wrestling into the forefront and maybe give a, people a chance to to give it a chance. You know what I mean? So I, I'm really liking this all women's pay-per-view from Impact. The big the big announcement that Gail Kim had uh, this past week on Impact is that it the the pay-per-view will feature a tournament where the winner receives a knockouts championship match. There will be four Impact wrestlers knockouts versus four other women of the best of the best from around the world is how they put it. So I'm just assuming from other companies, you know, maybe Camille's coming in from NWA, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe Britt Baker's coming. Who knows? Like uh, the forbidden. Kari Sane. Oh, don't even tease. Don't even tease. I know. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. So I'm putting I'm putting uh, October 9th knockouts knockdown over. I'm excited to see what they do with this. Yeah, I'm putting it over too. Uh, for those of you that have been with us since like day one, I'm always putting over the ladies stuff and uh, for them to be in the spotlight here will be fantastic and to have the best of the best. Um, I'm sure this is going to be super, super good stuff where we're definitely going to be buying this and watching it. Keeping on the theme of impact, Kira Hogan now in AEW gets her first win and it's starting to sound like she's all elite. I haven't seen a graphic yet, but I mean, if she's all elite, then I'm putting that over. I think it's all good. And her getting this win sort of means that, or I I get the feeling now that she's going to maybe be pushed a little bit and probably see her on the main show sometime, putting it over. I I have not seen the the official graphic yet from All Elite Wrestling, you know, socials. So it's still up in the air, but the reports are coming out that she signed. It, It seems to be that way. You know, once Layla Hirsch signed, she started to win matches, you know, and, and now we're seeing it with Kira Hogan. I like Kira Hogan. I think she's an absolute firecracker. She's very underrated. Her coming in to, you know, try out for a spot on the AEW roster, and she was losing some matches against some some top top talents in the on the roster so her getting her shot getting her first win on dark this week i think it's awesome i'm excited to see where this goes i think if aew was going to send anybody over to knockouts knockdown it should be kira hogan because she has the history in it and she might get a really good pop especially if she uh shows up and and does well in that tournament so looking forward to that putting it over (laughs) last friday yeah, was it last Friday? Yeah, it was last Friday. It was a while ago. Matt Cardona showed back up in GCW again, sporting two belts, 
But this time he's got his GCW Universal Spinner Belt, and he also brought the Internet Championship. He goes on a rant about how he was screwed. You know the New Jersey screw job. We we all uh, know the footage of of the cage and and Moxley coming out and stealing the GCW Championship from him. I thought this was a really cool moment where he gets involved with the owner of GCW or the head booker, whatever you want to call him. They have kind of a back and forth. The owner of GCW basically saying, hey, if you want to be in that triple threat match, you're going to have to put one of your titles on the line. If you win, I'll put you in that trip in, in a triple threat match for that GCW title versus Nick Gage and John Moxley. Matt Cardona was all good. He's like, yeah, I'll put the GCW Universal Championship on the line. No, we wanted to put the Internet Championship on the line. Out comes Effie. One, two moves. One, two, three. The New York screw job now is what Cardona's calling this. Effie, the the very second, the second ever Internet Champion, finally breaking the streak of like. 14 years that Matt Cardona has had this belt. Uh, I'm putting it over. It was a, it was a fun moment. You know what? I, I, I cannot not put anything that Matt Cardona does right now. He's killing it. Yeah. You can't, you, you have to put it over because for him to just be able to just walk in all of these different places and do all these things. And, and I mean, he's, he's killing it. And I, I think he's adding to every place that he goes and he seems so out of place in GCW, but he's doing exactly what you would expect him to do there. And that is just to be absolutely hated. Um, that crowd was going insane when he gets defeated and he loses this this championship that he he made up himself. Is that, am I correct in saying that? He created it, got it built by himself, paid for it himself, initiated himself the first champion. You know what I mean? Like it's totally a gimmick. Yeah, and um, I, I, we let we don't have to get into it, but I just think it's interesting how Impact has now as this week announced that they have a new championship. Um, it's called the Digital Media Championship. Digital Media Internet, very similar sounding. Is the first winner of that going to be Matt Cardona? I think I think it has to be. I, I think it would be cool. I think it'd be cool putting it over. All right, uh, next on the bill, we got Arn Anderson essentially breaking the internet with his dynamite interview promo uh, on Cody here where he um, talks about pulling out Glocks, somebody stealing his car, makes a gun sort of motion to Cody, and people have ran with that. Like there's Arn Anderson on every rap video you could ever imagine. <laughs> People are just taking this like crazy. I I mean, I like the fact that it's, it's you know, people are making light of it and whatever, but I'm burying Arn Anderson on Dynamite. Like don't have this guy talk. Like that's where it goes. It goes just terrible places. It doesn't need to be done. Um, make a video of them in the back try four times to get it right and then and then do it that way but not live like he didn't even know where the where the microphone was he he had to look for it it was it was garbage i'm bearing it yeah no i agree arn anderson with a live mic in the middle of the ring is it's it's a recipe for a bad time 
I, I'm putting over the fact that Arn Anderson got over with this, though, because it really does sound like the internet is turning this into a meme. What, what, what's the uh, phrase? No press is bad press kind of thing. No, at least people are talking about Arn Anderson. Um, so I, I got to put that that fact over. I, I'm just glad that they didn't take this the wrong way and they're trying to attack Arn Anderson for, you know, for doing the motion. I mean, it's a touchy subject, especially with the amount of mass shootings that we see in the States and stuff like that. So I'm just, I'm just glad people are realizing that it's just wrestling for once. So I got to put that over and they're just letting right. it slide. So, but yeah, Arn Anderson in the ring with a live mic, got to bury every time. Dan Lambert segment on Dynamite. He's out there with Men of the Year. I think this is uh, one of the better spots that these guys have had. The only thing, the only thing I really didn't like is is ego. Ethan Page, he needs to. <laughs> I I, I want to say tighten it up, but he feels he he's pretty tight already. <laughs> he gets a little excited and and maybe loses loses track of where he was going. He kind of got lost there in a minute. Scorpio Sky absolutely killed this. Dan Lambert absolutely killed this. If 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 ego Ethan Page can figure out what he's kind of doing wrong, and I mean you mentioned it a while ago. We haven't really talked about Ethan Page in, in a long time, but. You complimented him for not doing the smiley bit for a while there. There was like one or two weeks in a row that he wasn't doing the smiley bit. Seems to be back to that, which, you know, I'll, I'll bury. But uh, honestly, this was a really good promo from, from Dan Lambert. The New York crowd was absolutely booing them out of the building. And nobody interrupted them, which is always a good a good sign too. So uh, overall, I'm putting this segment over. Yeah, I have to put this segment over as well. Um I, I have to agree with everything that you say. I, I really I really want to to like Ethan. I, I feel like he he does have the right stuff. He's got the good mentality. I I think this promo was very uh independent wrestling. Like you can get away with that kind of stuff maybe on the independence. Tight titties probably gonna get over now, but I mean, is that the kind of thing that TK wants? I'm not sure. I think that's that's independent wrestling promo stuff. So I, I think if he, like you say, tightens it up, then then Paige is going to be good. But overall, the segment, putting it over. Next up, we got Amanda Huber making her AEW debut as uh, the Dark Order pretty much falls apart. Uno is walking out again. I think this is like the 18th time he's walked out of a match on Dark Order. But... Uh, Uno and Grayson get to the top of the ramp. Amanda comes out and blasts them. And uh, we can actually hear a little bit of what she says, which I thought was good. And then ends up in the ring at the at the end of it all. I, I, I think this is fantastic. I think that it was probably really hard for her to do this for a couple of reasons. She's not a wrestler. She doesn't want to be in the spotlight. I don't. I think she said that in interviews that she mm -hmm. never really wanted to be a part of any of this. So for her to do that, I think is fantastic. I'm sure she did it all for her, her sons, especially uh, negative one being such a wrestling fan that he is. I, it, I'm putting it over. Yeah, no, it was a really cool moment. Like we, we've been talking about this for a while is like, who's going to bring dark order back together because they can't split up yet. I, I feel like it's too soon. So who was going to be the one to get them back together? We kind of thought it was going to be Anna Jay coming back. Perhaps it's Hangman Adam Page whenever he comes back. 
Maybe it's the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, uh, Wyndham Rotunda, whatever whatever name he's going to be going by. Him coming in and, and bringing everybody together. I feel like it was an absolute shock. An absolute shocker that it ended up being Amanda Huber. I love it. I love that negative one comes out of that tunnel going 100 miles an hour and just absolutely spikes Uno with the with the paper. I, I feel like the production truck didn't really get a good shot at that, but I like to bury the production truck. But I thought that was a cool moment, that negative one trying to do the paper gimmick. Uh, I, I feel like Uno needed to sell that a little bit more. Maybe it caught him off guard. You know, he, he didn't quite react to it, but I thought it was a cool moment. Amanda Huber making her AEW debut, putting it over. Let's move ahead to the MJF segment on Dynamite. This was really this was a really cool cool kind of segment. A different vibe from MJF. This was a more Jericho-esque MJF, I feel. He really wasn't as much as he was out there hating on everybody in AEW and hating on the fans in Rochester and stuff like that. He really took that that, like I say, Chris Jericho, Paul Heyman type approach where he was like actually putting over the young stars in AEW. He refers to the four pillars of AEW. And I thought I got to put over the fact that we, I mean, we called these guys, we might not have used the four pillars, but when we kind of announced what we thought were the future of AEW, we picked the same four people. It was MJF. It was Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Jungle Boy. And Jeff says the exact same four. So I, I I think that's really cool. And it was a different side of MJF. Not that he's turning face or anything. He's still very much a heel, but he's coming at it from a different angle. I, I really enjoyed that. Darby Allen coming out halfway through just to remind MJF that, yeah, you're calling them the four pillars, but I'm really the only one who's ever had a championship. Of course, later in the night, we that that's not true anymore. But uh, I thought this segment was really, really cool. I thought this was Darby's best work. We finally got to kind of hear him on the mic. Something we, you know, he does his skits and he's had his bits to say, but it's usually only been like one or two sentences. This was him going head to head with one of the best on the mic. And I felt like he held his own. I'm putting it over. Yeah, uh, this this segment was really really well done. I this is probably one of my favorite MJF things that he's ever done in AEW. Uh, pretty close to um, when he was doing the sort of presidential, um, not the debate, but his kind of a public announcement or whatever. Um, you really get a sense of of what the future of AEW will be, maybe a decade from now. And uh, you, he got me thinking of what that's going to look like. Because is there going to be a CM Punk around? Is there going to be a Christian around? Is there even going to be a Kenny Omega or Young Bucks around at that time? It's likely it won't in the capacity that it is right now. So, yeah, the, there is a future. These guys are the future. And MJF is the pillar among pillars. Although totally shocked he didn't mention luchasaurus who's now you know future <laughs> hall of famer um but yeah i thought darby's response to this was was all really good you know besides the confetti that was in his hair um, <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> that annoyed me I'm, pu I'm putting this segment over is is all good <laughs> uh before we go into the next spot 
I, I just remembered MGF mentions WWE a couple times during this segment. We've kind of touched on, you know, men- the mentioning of WWE, basically bringing WWE into the AEW world. I don't really care for, but when you look at the situation by itself, it was actually pretty cool saying that he's got Bruce Pritchard on speed dial and the only three letters that matter in professional wrestling are MJF, not VKM. I think that's good shit. I'm putting that over as well. I mean, I don't really mind. I, I like that there it's just wrestling. Just everything is wrestling. So it doesn't matter, but they seem to bring up WWE more than new Japan or, you know, anything else. So if, if they were a little bit more even on kind of what they talked about, I get that WWE is bigger than, you know, everything else. So it, it makes sense. But, um, but yeah, I thought, I thought that part was really cool. All right. Next up we have a uh, Ricky Starks has a vignette on rampage. I honestly don't even remember this, but it's Ricky Stark, so I'm bearing it. Hundred <laughs> percent. He did a little thing where he was in like a big Malibu mansion or something like that, and he was showing off how much of a player he is. And he drives off in his Maserati, and basically, it's just a it's like a smear campaign almost against Brian Cage. And what I'm burying, it's not so much the vignette because I mean it it looked cool and it fits in with Ricky Stark's character, but like, why are we still getting Ricky Stark's? Brian Cage, isn't that done? I'm burying it. We go into a Malachi Black promo on Rampage, also kind of a vignette pre-recorded backstage. Similar similar vibes to what we just saw from Ricky Starks. It's, you know, he's back on Cody. You know, Cody this, Cody that. To me, Cody's out of Malachi's window. Like, it, it, it makes sense that Arn is trying to keep Cody from talking about Malachi Black. But maybe Malachi Black needs to no-sell that and and look forward to the future and then have Cody come out from the side or the, you know, as as we say in Call of Duty, the third party to get back into it. I don't think Malachi Black should be mentioning Cody at all. So uh, I'm burying it. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm burying what the promo was about. I agree with you on that one, but I'm putting over Malachi Black just as an overall, like, man, this guy can talk. Like, it befuddles me how WWE gets rid of this guy because he could be one of the four pillars of the future of, uh, of WWE once Roman Reigns leaves and, you know, then he comes back like the rock a hundred times and Malachi black, <laughs> you know, fights him or whatever. But yeah, this guy is just, is, is so good. Uh, but yeah, let's move on. Let's do some other things. And then maybe we won't get any Arn Anderson type promos. <laughs> uh, last on the list here, Jason Corvette uh, called the Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega match. The best match of Omega's career. Um, that's a huge, huge statement. And uh, I'm just putting over the fact that Corvette finally, finally sees uh, the light of you know good wrestling, and and, and says something positive about AEW because it seems like he's just been totally shitting on it. And I'm just wondering if, if maybe there's some ulterior motive to uh, Corvette here. But overall, I'm putting over the fact that Corvette sees some good stuff in in a in a wrestler who's Everybody else is known as the best in the world for many years, and he's just finally figuring out now. 
while Corvette has had a special relationship with Omega, let's say, he really didn't buy into the hype. And I think it's I think it's he's still he's still being negative in the way to, of saying this match against Brian Danielson was Omega's best performance because it, it was far from it. It was a very good performance, but it was far from you know, the matches against Okada, it was far from the match against Jericho in New Japan. You know what I mean? Like, it was a great match. Was it the best? No. So, like, I, I just find it funny that Corvette is, ever since this Bobby Eaton thing and him kind of coming to good terms with, with TK and all the things, it really comes off like he is trying to get a job or something. Like, I, I, I don't understand. Jim Cornette's doing well with his podcast. There's a lot of marks out there that just take his word as gospel. Stay there. Keep doing that, Corvette. It's what you're good at. Being opinionated and getting paid to do it. That's what you made your whole career on. Just keep doing that. Don't try to weasel your way in on the cash cow that's, you know, providing the milk right now. Because it, it seems petty. So, yeah, I'm burying Corvette all day. Can I can I change my answer? Because <laughs> you, <laughs> you've can you've convinced me that this is kind of a backhanded compliment. It is. It is. It's totally f you f you JC. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right, that's our show for this week. Uh, it was a really awesome week of 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 wrestling. I I wish I could have put more focus on it. Cause like, honestly we were Wednesday night at the hockey game, watching it late. I almost fell asleep during the, <laughs> during the Miro Zami match. I'd been up for like 40 hours at that point or something like that. I wish I could have paid more attention. I might maybe after we're done recording here and I'm editing the show, maybe I'll watch, watch uh, the three hours of wrestling back, but it was a really awesome moment for Rochester and the Huber family to be a part of that. So I thought it was a great week of wrestling. Yeah. I thought it was a great week of wrestling as well and they're just it just really shows aw such a class act and they did that show really really well i i love even that they had this the signs in the in the audience yeah. um and everybody holding them up and eddie kingston class act grabbing the fan sign and, and holding it up and and whatnot it was just um you know it just brings back all of those feelings that we had uh, when we found out the sad news after after tapings went off the air, apparently Eddie Kingston, I mean, I, if it was from a dark match or what, but Eddie Kingston was out there. He sent the fans home happy. He did his his kind of classic. I mean, we we heard him rallying the troops during the uh, Brody Lee Memorial episode. You know, last year after after his passing there in December. Uh, whenever it was no, November, maybe it was late November. John Huber, Brody Lee was a very good friend of Eddie Kingston, and and it kind of hit him hard. And him rallying those troops privately, I mean, we got to see it weeks later or whatever. It was a really cool moment. He got to do it for the fans this time, the the fans of Brody's hometown. So that was a really cool moment too. Uh, you can check it out on social media for sure. Let's take a look forward to next week. We have the aforementioned Bobby Fish debuting for AEW. Not sure if he signed yet. Not sure if he signed anywhere yet, but he will be on Dynamite 
taken on Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. We have Hikaru Shida going for her 50th win against the veteran Serena Deeb. Serena Deeb making her comeback after another unfortunate knee injury. Haven't seen her in a while. And the big match for next week is the Casino Ladder Match. Winner will receive an AEW Championship match. We got Pac, Andrade, Lance Archer, John Moxley, Orange Cassidy, Matt Hardy, and a Joker. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. I mean, it, it's possible. Couldn't quite maybe get the deal done, you know, for, for this week. So maybe it's next week. We'll have to wait and see. It is AEW Dynamite's two-year anniversary next week. I cannot wait. Yeah, me either. I, I think I'm. this casino ladder match is going to be insane. And... Yeah, this Joker, I mean, the way that we've had surprises, this Joker could be, you know, insane. I just, I just hope it's not Leo Rush. I was just going to say that. <laughs> There's a very good possibility that it could be. I mean, he's yeah. he's probably good to take a, a ladder spot from Lance Archer. Hopefully he'll be injured and we won't see him. But no, I, I would never wish injury on someone like that. But yeah, I hope it's not Leo, Leo Rush either. It could be, it could be Hangman Adam Page. That's... I'll put my bonus point on page. It'd be a good good opportunity for him to come back and continue that AEW championship feud with Kenny that we saw kind of fizzle out when he took the time off and with uh, Punk and, and whatnot coming in. So I'm going with Hangman. If he if it is, does he win? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is this 100%. how he gets his? 100%. Yeah. Okay. It's Brian Cage all over again. I'll have to think about it. I'll have to think about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget that IWP is available on all major podcast networks, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Bullhorn FM. Just search Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. That's our show for this week. Peace. We are out of here. Take it easy.